Inside the Cylinder, F106, and the 14th episode of this season. And I've been joined by every one of these episodes, in every one of these episodes, by my ever so reliable and trustworthy co-host, Matt Way. Matt, what's going on? Hey, David. Um, I, I, pre- I appreciate that someone thinks I'm trustworthy, at least, um, even if it's just for Inside the Cylinder podcasting. Um, I'm, I'm doing good, though. Um, we've got uh, we've got Pistons. The Pistons are back. Um, hasn't been too good, but we've gotten some, uh, some maybe good news in the last couple of days, last few days in, the, in terms of uh, potential new, uh, new additions or, or re-additions to the team. Yes, uh, certainly there is something to be excited about, uh, hopefully here moving forward. The Encore product has not been that great. If you've watched this team recently, uh, especially recently, uh, you know, since we recorded last, they've lo- dropped their last three games last week. Uh, I have it down here that they're 2-10 in 10 in their last 12 games. Uh, it's been rough. Uh, there hasn't been... I guess if there's any like small little positive that I've seen over the last few games, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the games from this past week, which was the Hornets game, the uh, Nets game, and then also the Spurs game. We're not going to go into like a deep dive by any means. But what I will say, if there was one little positive, they didn't get blown out in two of the three games. They made it a pretty feisty game against the Hornets when they were down big in the first and early part of the second half. Uh, And then they also had uh, a back and forth game with the Brooklyn Nets who did have James Harden and Kyrie Irving. So, I mean, there is like some room to be somewhat optimistic, I guess you can say, because there was, there's a reality out there where they certainly get their ass kicked by the, uh, by the Brooklyn Nets. But how about you, Matt? Do you, you sound a little more down in our pre-recording. So I just want to see kind of what your thoughts are right now. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, they kept it close to the Nets. Um, you know, the Nets effort was, their effort level was pretty poor, um, as it sometimes is. Um, but they, you know, the Pistons played hard. The The Spurs game was a little disheartening just because it, they just never seemed in that game to me at all. But, you know, um, we've talked, I think, a lot about how they can maybe outwork teams, but not out talent. Um, many teams, if any, um, and the Spurs are one of those teams that under Greg Popovich, you know, are just, they're just going to play hard. They're going to show up. They're going to execute. And you, you saw what the result of this Pistons team is against that sort of team. And it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't super encouraging. Yeah. One thing, the Pistons were a little unlucky. The, the Spurs had just gotten beaten down by the Philadelphia 76ers by 30 plus points in their previous games. So if that happens to a Greg Popovich team, you just know that next game that they're going to be humming and they were humming and uh, they're frankly a better team than Detroit already. And uh, yeah, it was just one of those games where it sort of lined up perfectly where the Pistons had a couple shots to win a couple games earlier in this week. They didn't get the job done. And then the Spurs on the other end have just gotten their asses kicked by the Philadelphia 76ers. So then that sort of mixture right there probably wasn't going to lead to a good result for Detroit. 
Um, and that's just without even the fact that they're not even clearly as good as a team as the Spurs. So it, it's been a tough week, but I think we had talked about it. We were really optimistic in our last episode. I was a little down kind of going into the all-star break just because the Pistons seemed that they weren't really able to stay as competitive as we had seen them in the early part of the season, even though the losses have continued to pile up. So I was, I do take a little bit of solace from last week's performances just because they were able to stick with honestly three teams or at least stick with two of the three teams that they played. Um, and all of which have, you know, much more talented players or at least more depth than Detroit currently does. Yeah. You know, the one thing I'll say about that Spurs game is that I, I really like what the Spurs are building. They're a fun team and they, they did kind of shoot. Um, I, I think they shot at a level that is certainly like not sustainable for, Long stretches, so that was part of it. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we did see this week was Rodney Magruder really showed up and played really well, and I think every game. Um, he's he's really making the most of his touch in, touches, uh, making the most of his minutes. He's not like a – he's certainly not a – they're not making a concerted effort to get him involved in the offense, but, but he's finding ways. He's finding the ball. And, you know, when you – come into games, come into, um, you know, the lineup cold, like that's kind of what you have to do. Um, and we've seen it from just about everybody on this team. We, we saw it from Dennis Smith Jr. Um, we've, we've seen it from Saban Lee. We've seen it from Isaiah Stewart in, in carving out his role. Um, the one person we continue to not really see it from is, is Sekou Dumbuya, which is a little – concerning and and I know there's a lot of consternation on Pistons Twitter but you know at, at a certain point when when you see all these other guys coming in and doing it you you, you got to think that part of this is on Seku part of it whether it's in, what he's doing in practice or or whatever we don't know all of that but there just has to be something more to I guess, I guess what we're thinking about or how we're thinking about it on the surface because you know, everyone else is is coming in and performing, even if they're not always. You know, they're not winning games, but they're they're at least putting putting forth pretty good performances relative to to expectations. You had said in our last episode that one of your, um, I guess, bold predictions for the second half of the season was that we're going to see a, a stretch out of Sekou Dumboya where you Pistons fans can get rightly excited. Uh, you were mentioned that you were seeing some things leading up to uh, the All-Star break that had you thinking that he was going to start to put something together. From this past week, getting a little bit more hard evidence uh, under your belt, do you sort of – would you punt on that bold prediction that you had last week or is that something that you're still bullish on moving forward? No, I'm sticking with it, and and I want to be clear, and I'm glad you kind of mentioned that. Um, you know, I I I I'm not someone who wants to give up on Seiku like remotely, and I the one thing that I did see really good from him this week was kind of the finish to the Spurs game. Um, you know, against the Nets, I, th- I believe it was the Nets that he came in like just for two minutes at the end of the first half, and that's pretty much all he played. 
Um, he got kind of the similar treatment in the first half against the Spurs, but that game got out of control. And so he, he played down the stretch the last five or six minutes. And I thought he played really well. He played under control. I continue to like what I'm seeing in terms of his shooting form. I think that, that he's definitely working on, on something there. And, um, you know, I, that, that was one of those performances though when I saw it and I said it on Twitter is that, you know, I would like to see him rewarded for that, that strong finish. Um, you know, other, other players have gotten similar treatment and they've responded. And so maybe that spurs, you know, that, that strong five or six minute stretch is kind of a springboard for him. That, that, that's my hope because I, I do think he is going to have a breakout stretch at some point in the second half. Fair point. Yeah, I, I agree that he, he certainly is the one guy when we look across this roster that has seen the least consistent minutes or he's kind of just consistently not playing that much. You'll see, as you mentioned, a, a, a game where he only plays six minutes or a game that he only plays five to ten minutes. And it's really hard, especially for a rookie or not a rookie, but a sophomore in the league to get it going um, that quickly. I have noticed, and this doesn't necessarily concern me right now, but sometimes in those limited stretches, I'm having these weird Stanley Johnson flashback moments. And I mean that only in the play type that ends with Sekou shooting the ball. It just seems like lots of times you'll just see Sekou standing beyond the three-point three line, and then the ball will eventually find his way, or it'll be designed to maybe get him a shot in the corner but, and that's where you're seeing a lot of his attempts come from. We're not seeing as successful as cuts. We're not seeing as successful of um, just kind of action that he had going on in the preseason where, where we were really, really impressed. It seems like a lot of his shots are coming from three-point jump shots. I would like to see that cut down a little bit. And, and that relies not just on him cutting because he is making the right move sometimes and guys just aren't finding him. So we'll see. Definitely something to monitor moving forward. And um, I, I hope also, Matt, that he is able to carve a little bit more time out for him uh, as these games continue, just because he's hopefully if he's a guy that hits, that's going to be a really big part to this team's future moving forward. So I am in complete agreement with you on everything you just said. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you, too, that I'd like to say. I'd like to see Seiko do some more stuff inside the arc. Um, I, I've thought about the Stanley Johnson thing multiple times this year. Um, he did have a nice play against the Spurs where he had a little spin out of the post and the the Spurs were kind of playing it so that he would spin right into the rim protector. And he didn't fall for it. He dropped it off to Plumley. Plumley got free throws. So, I, I, you know, I'd like to see – those those small little good decisions that I, I think will continue to earn him him time. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's move on from the you know I guess recent games discussion. Do you have any other thoughts? I guess from this past slate of games, from these these past three games that we've seen so far this week. This past no, week? I, I I I think that covers it. I don't think the the performance level probably merits a whole lot more airtime. I'll just give one quick shout out to Isaiah Stewart. I thought he's had a really good stretch of games. He's been able to produce on both ends of the floor. He's been really active and he's just been a a good burst of energy, which we've experienced all season long. It's just nice to see him continue in that motion um, or in that trend, I should say. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. had a nice little pocket pass at the end of that uh, Spurs game, which uh, which uh, definitely opened my eyes a little bit. He had a three pointer in the Hornets game that almost broke this the Hornets announcer's mind. It like <laughs> he's like he's not going to shoot this. There's no. It's like oh my god. He he had no idea that that uh, that was something that Isaiah Stewart clearly works on. So uh, that was pretty funny. I thought. All right, let's move that on. Was, that was a big three too. It was a huge three, and I thought we were going to win. And then Terry Rozier did some Terry Rozier things and literally punted Svi Mikhailuk out of Detroit after that performance. So uh, that was uh, that was dirty. I mean, I got to give Terry Rozier some props on that one. He played really, really well uh, to, to finish out that game. He uh, did. All right, so let's move on to our next, not necessarily topic. This is just more so Pistons news. And it came out uh, today. Killian Hayes, seventh overall pick from this past year's draft, the Pistons' possible point guard of the future, is going to be reevaluated in three weeks. Uh, Matt, you want to take it over from here? Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't want to to get too positive because last time uh, we we talked we talked about Killian right after the initial injury, and we um, I think we misread the tea leaves, um, so to speak. Um, so I don't want to get too optimistic, but it, you know, they did say he's progressing well. It seemed fairly positive. We saw a video of him, um, you know, practicing his, uh, his lob game with Isaiah Stewart, which was encouraging. Um, so it all sounds pretty positive. I, I guess I, it kind of seems like, you know, maybe he'll be back in about a month. Um, you know, I'm, that, that would be three, three plus, you know, three plus one. So you give him a week to kind of, gear up when he's fully cleared. Um, and that would give him about 20 games or so to play. Um, so, you know, that would be a, a good, a good sample. Um, one of the, one of the other things that we heard, we heard a couple things from doing Casey. He said that, um, that I guess Killian is both slimmed down and bulked up. Um, I think he said he cut out, cut out sugar in his diet. He's been bulking up in the, the weight room. Um, and, and Casey also mentioned that he wants to maybe bring Killian off the bench or, or with another point guard, whether that, you know, you, you think maybe that's still on, right. Um, because maybe throwing him in the, in the starting role contributed to the poor start that we saw, um, at the beginning of the year. Um, what are, what are your thoughts about Killian, what Killian's role should be in, in these 20 or so games, um, that we, we might see him play in David? Yeah, I really do hope that they bring him off the bench. I think it would just be kind of weird for everyone involved if all of a sudden you're going from however it is that this team looks like following the trade deadline, whether DeLon Wright is still on the team or not, uh, if it's Dennis Smith Jr., if he's going to be the guy uh, as the starting point guard, or even Saban Lee. I mean, those three guys have just played consistently all season long, or at least for however long they've been with Detroit. So... I think it would be a little weird just to kind of throw them into the starting lineup and say, hey, figure it out with these guys who have played together all season long. I think it wouldn't be fair to the rest of the team, and I don't think that it would be fair to Killian and him naturally sort of finding out his own role within this – or not not within this organization, just for the rest of this season. I think it's just – you don't need to put that much pressure on him. And you're right. It, it wouldn't surprise me if that was a reason why he struggled to start out this year – and that way you can just alleviate some of the pressure. You can 
allow him to go up against opposing backups. You're not having him put, you're not putting him against, you know, some of the cream of the crop uh, point guards in the league every single night. So I think all in all, that's just the right way to handle it. And it's also the most fair, not just to the point guards who are on this team right now, but also to the rest of the guys who have found some sort of rhythm uh, within these lineups uh, this season. So yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I'd like to see him play a lot of his minutes alongside Saban Lee, honestly. Um, you know, we talked last week about, you know, I kind of mentioned that I could see this team kind of be the, the timeline speeding up a little bit if they got a dynamic ball handler, um, you know, as their lead ball handler. And Saban Lee, we've certainly seen, can can provide that. And so you know, I, I'd like to see Killian try to play off that a little more, you know, see what he can do as a secondary playmaker. Um, and I think that's a lot of what Casey was talking about. You look at what Tyrese Halliburton's done in, in Sacramento playing off De'Aaron Fox. Um, so that having that kind of role, seeing how he might fit in in that role in the future, if you do get a, uh, you know, a number one or top three or five pick and, and you get that guy, this uh, this offseason in the draft, um, I, I would like to see Killian and how he how he fits there. Um, and I, I'd also I'm also interested to see if um, him bulking up in the weight room will help him at the rim a little more because um, we we saw him be kind of hesitant to to get to the rim once he got to the paint. And so I'm I'm wondering if he if he gets a little stronger if he's not more a little more willing to to get all the way to the rim. Yeah, and I wouldn't want him to be reduced to like a spot up shooter or, you know, just running him off screens and those types of opportunities. But at the same time, it was reported that he was working on his jump shot, working on the mechanics of his jump shot while he was out. So maybe we'll start to see a, an improved jumper uh, as the season, you know, for those last 20 or so games compared to uh, what we saw to start the season where he was pretty cold. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of room for him to sort of maneuver around that second unit. And there's also just not as many mouths to feed in, in the backup unit compared to what it looks like, uh, in the starting unit. So I think there, there's certainly a lot of room for Killian just to sort of figure out his own identity a little bit more and just not have the weight of his shoulders just every single possession down the floor, both on offense and on defense. So yeah, I'm really excited. And I watched that video of him practicing and something about NBA practice videos. Like I know you can't buy into them at all, but I just love watching them. I love getting a little bit of a look behind the scenes and I always get really amped when I watch them. So he looked good. He looked springy, I guess you can say in like a slow-mo almost edited type of video that the Detroit Pistons released themselves. But uh, it was it was just a good thing to see just because it's been so long since we've seen him move around in any sort of athletic way other than walking around on the bench. So I am very excited to see Killian Hayes, hopefully, you know, 100% healthy return this season. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the practice videos are, uh, are are always fun to watch. It just it just reminds you how good these guys really are. Um, it's kind of like the old. PGA tour motto or slogan was like, these guys are good. Um, and sometimes it's just, it's good to, good to get a reminder of, of that. Um, because we, we spend a lot of time breaking them down when, when even, 
even these, you know, 19 year old rookies are just insanely talented and, and just so smooth when, when they're not under the pressure of a, of an NBA game. Yeah. It's crazy how, how things can change so dramatically once the, once the game start to mean something. Um, all right. Well, do you have any other thoughts on Killian Hayes or should we get into the newest player on the Detroit Pistons? I, I think we should move on. I'm excited about this next uh, player. All right. So if you haven't heard by now, and I'm sure you have, if you're listening to this podcast, the Pistons have traded Speed Mikhailuk and a future second round pick for Hamadou Diallo from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Matt, when the trade went down, your first thoughts were what? Um, well, to be honest with you, I was um, I was going to uh, an anniversary event um, with my girlfriend, so I was like, "Man, I can't process this." Um, so that was my first thought. My my second thought was, I, I really like this. Um, I I really like Hamadou Diallo. Uh, I think he has a lot of potential. He's a downhill type of guy um, that that I think the Pistons could use another another one of those skill sets. Like I know they need shooting, but shooting is way easier to find. I think um, you know guys who can get downhill and have the athleticism that Diallo have is, is not so easy. And it's funny because I think just that earlier that day I was listening to. Um, Royce Young on the the low post, and he was talking about he was comparing him to a poor man's Russell Westbrook. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind having a even a, a poor man's Russell Westbrook coming off the bench, or uh, you know, in a in a fourth or fifth uh, role in the in the starting lineup for for a young young Pistons team. What what were your thoughts? My first thoughts were 2018. David Fernandez is stoked right now. Because I was all aboard the Hamadou Diallo train when he was coming out. Well, not when he was coming out. This was before he came out. Because he, just a little history here. Uh, he was a, uh, he signed to go play for the Kentucky Wildcats for John Calipari. And uh, before even suiting up for a game, he was eligible to to go to the draft. So we had conversations with NBA teams just to kind of see where his stock was to make the help him make that decision, whether or not he would actually go and play his freshman year at Kentucky, or if he was going to just skip it and go straight to the draft. Um, Just because there's some weird sort of rules when it comes, I think you just have to be outside of high school for one year. You don't necessarily have to come from a college program um, or a G league program, what we're seeing now. But anyways, uh, I was like, you know what? I don't care. Just draft him. Like, I think that was the year that they ended up with. 2018, was that Henry Ellenson? I think it was. Yeah. So I was just like, screw it. Like, just draft him. Just make him the promise. Like, this kid's going to – I thought he was just going to be a freak at Kentucky and that the Pistons, you know, sort of might have missed out on an opportunity to bring him in, um, even though that they were drafting, you know, just uh, at the back end of the lottery – um, but yeah, he ended up going and playing that year. He underperformed at Kentucky and he was a second round pick by the uh, Thunder. But yeah, my first thought was just like, well, I'm younger. Me is very excited. Um, my first Pistons thought was I was actually a little bit concerned about shooting, but I figured I don't necessarily need to worry about that right now. 
Um, just because Diallo's had a, his best career so far as a pro. And I'm just really excited to see, you know, Troy Weaver kind of bring in another one of his guys, um, knowing that he came from the Thunder and, you know, he was probably instrumental in selecting him over, uh, selecting him into the Thunder. So, yeah, I, I'm just, all in all, I'm pretty excited about it. And and I think you and I both had the realization that Svi wasn't going to stick with this team. So I'm happy that they were able to bring in another young developmental player to replace him. Yeah, I, I think Svi really needed a um, scenery change. I, 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 I had kind of been getting more and more out on Svi um, over the last month or so. Um, you know, he's, he's trying his best to, to add things to his game and to find a role, but he, it just wasn't working in Detroit. And so I, I think that uh, a change of scenery would be good for him. Um, yeah, he, he definitely, you, you're not going to pay him hardly, you know, anything if you're Detroit this off season, I think, um, where Diallo is a guy that you could see maybe spending a little more, more money on. And he's certainly a guy that <clears throat> Troy Weaver, uh, prefers. Um, the the type of guy that Troy, Troy Weaver prefers over uh, a guy like Sfi. Yeah, in case y'all don't know a little bit about Diallo, he's six foot five. He presents a little bit bigger than that because he has like a forty inch plus vert and a seven foot wingspan. So he certainly can play bigger than his height would signify. Um, and he's had just put together a really solid season so far this year. Uh, averaging 12 points, 5.2 boards, 3.4 assists, getting the line over four times per game in only 24 minutes per game, and shooting over 50% on twos. Uh, he's not that good of a shooter. His jumper is a little concerning. It's a really funky-looking J. He really has to sort of tee it up, and it's a slow release. So he's definitely not going to come in and shoot the nets out, but at the same time... Uh, I think he just has a lot to his game from like a downhill perspective and a defensive perspective that Pistons fans should really be excited about uh, moving forward with this guy. So, yeah, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on Diallo and, and sort of how he fits with this team? Uh, I, I'm curious as to when when he's healthy and, and you know, past his protocols, exactly where he's going to play. There's some overlap there with Josh Jackson. I, that that's the kind of guy he reminds me of, um, who's you know a guy who's also struggling with a shot and has struggled with a shot, but can but can make plays. Um, you know, getting downhill or when he gets downhill. Um, so, you know, do you do you bring them both off the bench? Um, is he a, a long term fit with? Do you, you know? Do you want that kind of guy um, coming off the bench or starting? You know, I think that archetype tends to work better coming off the the bench. I think you need a little more shooting in the starting lineup generally, because um, you're just running into better defenses and um, more more committed schemes earlier earlier in the game. So, um, yeah, I I'm excited to watch him though. I I, I hope we can we can see him uh, in the in the rotation very soon. It sounds like he should be back in the lineup sometime soon. Maybe not this upcoming game against the Raptors, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be that prolonged of an absence. They just want to make sure that they don't re-aggravate anything um, or that he doesn't re-aggravate anything before, uh, you know, once he does get into the lineup. 
What I will say is, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Pistons manufacture these shooting guard minutes and how they, you know, who's playing where, just because it has been reported that the Pistons are seeking a second round pick for Wayne Ellington. I'm sure that's what, that's definitely what we expected. That's kind of probably what most people who really follow this game in this league and this team would have expected. But I mean, there's certainly a chance that Wayne Ellington isn't on this team uh, at March 25th by March 25th or following that, if they decide to to release him. Um, so I could, is this going to be really interesting to see what Detroit does? Because no matter what, especially if you're, you're, you're already missing out on Svi, if you're missing out on Ellington as well, then you're, you're really going to be even more hamstrung for shooting at the shooting guard position. So I agree. It'll be really interesting to see how it all pans out, but I don't see why there couldn't be an avenue where, uh, you know, both Diallo and uh, Jackson either play together uh, coming off the bench or just, you know, just remain on this team together. Just because I think when you have long athletic uh, players that can get downhill, I'd rather have more of those guys than have less of those guys. So uh, I'm all about the just the, the sort of general team building mentality that Weaver has clearly put on, you know, his imprint on in Detroit so far. Absolutely. It's, it's very different than what we've seen in the past. Um, And with a a rebuilding team, I think you want to take on as many of those type of chances as you can. Um, And, and Troy Weaver saw how successful that can be in Oklahoma city. And, you know, we, we certainly hope that it, it holds true in Detroit. Shout out Lou Dort. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So should we get on to our, is this our final topic of the game of, of the week? It, it, it is. Um, or do you, I guess do you have any thoughts on Svee's tenure and his future in the league or, or did you already kind of say that when, you know, you just think that he just needed a change of scenery? Well, you know, the, the only thing I'd add is I, I mentioned this on Twitter, um, <clears throat> but they, they got Svee in the Reggie Bullock trade. Um, and they got, I believe they got, if they didn't get the same, um, second round pick that they're sending out, it's, it, it was kind of, it was actually, I think maybe in the, in the Isaiah Stewart trade, they got it. But the, So they eventually, they, 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 um, essentially got, uh, Isaiah Stewart, a second and, um, or, or gave up a second and Reggie Bullock for Isaiah Stewart. And Hamadou Diallo, which I think is um, is is very good asset management, um, and it's also nice to see us, uh, you know, kick off. We kind of kicked off the trade season in the the off season, and and we're doing it again here. But I think this one, uh, we're getting a little better bang for the buck, for sure. And do you think that there's going? Do you think Detroit's done making moves? If you were just, uh, I don't know, put twenty bucks down on it, would you say that Detroit is? going to be more active or do you think that they might be sort of done where, with where they're at right now? I, I would be very surprised if there's not another move or two before the trade deadline. That's not insider information. That's just kind of reading through what's been put out there. I, I kind of get the sense that we could definitely see Mason Plumley or, or DeLon Wright moved as well. Yeah. Those two names have come up quite a bit. And then, uh, as I already mentioned, Wayne Ellington has, I think everyone knew that that he was uh, available. So 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We only have nine more days until then. So it might be a really, I think it's going to be a busier NBA trade deadline than what people are, have been talking about. Um, but uh, we'll see. I, I don't have any inside sources. Uh, but moving on. So this is a trade rumor. So this is our last topic of the evening or morning, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, that's the Aaron Gordon trade rumor. That is from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. He has reported that the Pistons, as well as a couple other teams, are at least possibly interested in trading for Aaron Gordon from the Orlando Magic. Any initial thoughts on that, Matt? Um, my initial thought was I, I don't really see how that deal works out. Um, it, it seems that they would probably have to give up real draft capital, like a future first. You're not giving up this year's first. Um, you know, I, I think Chris Haynes said in the article that, you know, the, the magic aren't looking to, um, to sell low, like they, they definitely value Gordon. And so you're going to have to give up something real and, I, with Jeremy Grant, I just don't see like a, a a spot for Aaron Gordon moving forward. He's definitely a four. He's you know I th- he he's not as good as Jeremy Grant, quite frankly. Um, the Jeremy Grant we've seen this year, and and so I don't know. I it's it's hard for me to to see something that that works um, unless they're just going to come up with some crazy kind of blockbusterish trade, which, you know, Troy, if, if Troy Weaver's got ammo, he's going to use it. We know. So, so, so who knows, but it's, I'm struggling to see a deal that that would make sense for, for either side. Yeah. Having looked it over, I don't think Seku Dimboya is really making anyone excited in Orlando right now. Uh, This, his trade value is not high. It can't be because he hasn't played well all but the the first few games when he suited up in the NBA. So I don't really see, you know, he would probably be a part of that package. I highly doubt with the level of success that Troy Weaver has seen out of his first few draft picks that you're going to see Stewart or um, uh, Sadiq Bey or even Saban Lee a part of that package. Um, and I think that they would have to be, or, or at least one of them would have to be if you weren't, going to be moving a future first. And I just don't see either of those scenarios happening. Um, And with Aaron Gordon, one thing to note too, he's due 16.4 mil next season. And then he's an unrestricted free agent. So there is really no guarantee that you would be, be, be holding on to him. Uh, It might be like a one and done situation with Aaron Gordon in Detroit. And then all of a sudden you're losing him and then you're losing whatever assets you moved uh, that, the season prior to attain him. So it just doesn't necessarily make sense uh, from like a immediacy standpoint, because I don't think that Detroit's really trying to do too much next year, unless, you know, it just happens naturally from a team building perspective. And then also just from the long term, because I don't really know what Aaron Gordon's next contract is going to look like, but I feel like he's going to want some sort of significant payday and, it just seems like that'd be too rushed of a season to be able to make a sort of long-term decision about Aaron Gordon. Plus you're giving away assets. So I don't really see this happening uh, at all. And I really hope it doesn't to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't really, 
see him getting moved in general because I don't, you know, this, you, you always, when you, when you see these trade rumors um, and, you know, I'm sure Chris Haynes is, is <clears throat> reporting as well sourced, but you always have to consider the motivation behind these kind of leaks. And to me, it's probably just Orlando trying to drive up um, the trade price if, and see if they can move him. Um, I don't doubt that Troy Weaver called him because we called Orlando because he's probably calling everyone. Um, uh, you know, who was, didn't, was it, was it Stan Van Gundy who, who said he was, was offering like, like some, some bench players for LeBron James or something like that. Um, that, that, that happened, something like that happened a few years ago. Stan Van Gundy was a little um, too forward about picking up phone yeah. calls and making phone calls. <laughs> Let's just be yeah. honest about that. Yeah. Man was like, yeah, we're making calls. We're calling about Drummond. Where it's like, dude, calm down. You're like not doing yourself any favors in the locker room right now. You got to coach <laughs> these. Guys Sorry. Yeah. Digress. Yeah. But I, like I could see Troy Weaver calling Orlando and saying, Hey, you know what, what are you guys kind of generally looking for in Aaron Gordon? just kind of, you know, shopping around and seeing if maybe his value is low to the point where they, they, they could get him for, for something cheap. Um, but I, I just don't, don't see Orlando really doing that. And it, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I don't really want to see it happen. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense for the Pistons. Yeah. He's a guy that literally is similar to Jeremy Grant in that he prefers to play the four over the three. Grant can certainly defend threes a lot better than Aaron Gordon has, but it just doesn't make sense from he's, he's a 32% career three point shooter. He's been in the league long enough to where you pretty much know that he's not going to be anything above an average three point shooter, even though he's having a little bit of a tick up this year in the limited amount of games he's played. So I, I don't, really understand it from like the roster building perspective and then also i already talked about it but like the money is it's a one-year deal and then you have to pay the guy and i don't think he's the type of guy historically the pistons have overpaid those types of guys you know just because they have a somewhat of like a name brand associated to them um and to keep free agents or to bring in free agents so it seems like those days are mostly done so i don't really see them reverting back to um, that type of uh, team building strategy just because it hasn't worked and it's not going to work moving forward. So, yeah, I don't see it happening. Yeah, no more Charlie Villanueva's. No, or Josh Jackson. Or sorry, not Josh Jackson. Excuse me, Josh Smith. And I think that uh, Hamido Diallo is uh, going to be hopefully taking over that number from Josh Smith. So we can uh, – because he was six, right? Josh Smith? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, and Diallo is six in OKC, so hopefully he can sort of cleanse that number uh, in Detroit moving forward. But, uh, yeah, Matt, I don't really have anything else for this week. How about you? No, I think that covers uh, everything that I wanted to talk about. Well, we're going to probably kick it to you guys for some sort of ideas for next week's episode. Um, We'll see what that is, whether that be a mailbag or a guest you want to see if you want to do – you know, fake trades or draft type of stuff, but we'll get a little bit of intel from, uh, you know, our Twitter followers. And you can follow us on Twitter at inside the C Y L N D R. Follow Matt on Twitter at way Matt H. I'm at the Financiala. 
All of our new episodes are on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast stream. I'm sure you're annoyed of hearing me say this every week, but uh, just a quick reminder. And uh, all new episodes will be posted on the website as well. So for Matt, I am David. We will catch you all next week. Peace. Peace.